If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. It's time to get embarrassed with us. One of us alone could barely lift a feather, but put us all together, we could lift a ton. If we all have hands, then we can make a circle. All of our work will be a lot of fun. All for one, one for all. Welcome again. You're back. Or perhaps you haven't been here before. Do I know you? Chances are I do. But if I don't, just in case, you're invited all the same. Thank you for coming by my little corner here as I bring you another installment of Lost and Rewound only here on Radio Free Brooklyn. My name is Alon Danziger. I'll be your mostly host for this hour of talk featuring my team, uh, consisting of Rachel Teichman and Will Hasty through the power of video conferencing means. The main ingredient that makes LNR is your sounds of the past unearthed as we listen back with fresh ears to learn a little bit about how we got to where we are by learning more about who we were. If you yourself ever feel like joining us for a session and have some old clips you'd be open to sharing and talking about, Holler on over at Lost and Rewound at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Or is it holler on over to? Holler on over at, anyway. No mind. Right now, I'm just kicking it in the rec room out here in Bushwick. And before, you heard All for One, an original song that I had the privilege of singing on when I was 16 years old. But standing on your shoulder, I can see a star. <laughs> yep. Someone wrote that. It wasn't me. I just sang it, I swear. Um, but <laughs> at uh, the Kipsy Day School, I had a chance during my high school years to write and perform in these musicals. We first covered this actually uh, four years ago in our first season on Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, episode 41, Dirty Potatoes, to be specific. Poughkeepsie Day, or PDS as we call it, 
has indeed come up a whole lot throughout the total seven years of this show, both in courteous, mindful awareness and naturally in playful retrospective. Now, after 86 years, Poughkeepsie Day School is closing its doors. And as a response to this, I felt that I had to properly channel my sadness in a much more productive manner. So I jumped into action and messaged an old friend, one of whom I had acted with several times over at Poughkeepsie Day School and hadn't chatted with in a couple of years, in all honesty, but really sincerely had been trying to get him to be a guest on the show all the while. We more or less picked up right where we left off. <laughs> I think we did. Uh, enjoy this interview with Noah Device and let us begin on this journey. Will Hasty and Rachel Teichman. Yo. I don't know what day it is. May I introduce our guest this week? Yes, indeed. You're please. I'm me. very excited to. I'm very excited. Consent. I, I'm asking consent. <laughs> yes, I, I. I am. I'm getting yes. consent, and I've heard that this guy is an amazing voice actor. Rachel. He is. He is. Enthusiastic <laughs> consent. He's so sexy. He's <laughs> sexiest. Noah Device is a voiceover teacher and performer. He is also an award-winning audio engineer and director. Once upon a time, though, uh, he was a drama BFA at Tisch, a path taken after a rich musical theater upbringing while growing up in the Hudson Valley. Noah was also one of the first friends I made at Poughkeepsie Day School when I entered in the seventh grade. And after yeah. finding out last weekend that PDS is closing its doors, I could not think of a better voice to lend some perspective as we listen back to some more original musical numbers. Noah, welcome. Mm -hmm. I know that this is not the most ideal thing to begin uh, our interview session with, but uh, talk to us about uh, how this news has made you feel as a lifer yourself, I believe, right? Yeah, um, I wish wish it were a happier moment to <laughs> to be bringing me on and hello uh hello everyone hello listeners yeah ilan and i went to poughkeepsie day school i was a lifer there i started in kindergarten but i was there i think technically before the nursery school existed i was uh, uh just just pre-nursery so i was there uh, my entire school career and the motto was a community of learners where everyone matters uh and it was a really wonderful formative place. I've been talking to a bunch of uh, folks who were there during my time, Elon, during our time, and um, just folks who have gone on to be great artists. We got a a brilliant social worker out there, dance teachers, um, just folks who've gone on to make really wonderful differences in the world. And it's just breaking my heart that that, uh, that's a place that's not going to be there for future generations and for future folks, but it has um, impacted a lot of people who are around right now in some really wonderful ways. So I hope that uh, that's something that we're going to continue to spread the legacy of as as well as we can. 
RIP Poughkeepsie Gay School, but at the very least, it's what brought you guys together. And it sounds like it was one of these open-minded, uh, encouraging of creativity type places. I went to a very similar place myself. And if that, it was very small, you know, class of 76 for me. And if that, if that vanished, my God, especially right now, that would be. Uh, I'm sorry, Will, did you just say you were class of 1976? I had, there were 76 people in my graduating class. Uh, oh, we, uh, got it. I, I don't know. Noah, how big was yours? Ours was 23. 26. What? Okay. Yours was a oh, little bigger. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Look at such tiny schools. I had like yeah. a thousand people in my graduating class of what? Uh, Noah, do you keep uh, a lot of mementos? Do you, do you uh, think back that far these days or are you kind of still stuck in the now? I try to hang. There, there are certain things that I will hang on to. It's very tough to get rid of stuff sometimes. That's uh, that's certainly the case. My my um, folks just moved maybe a little under a year ago to a um, retirement campus, which is like college for seniors. And I'm so jealous and want to go live there with them because it's amazing. Um, but they, uh, they had to uh, clean out their house and we went through tons and tons of stuff that um, we, we didn't even have time to dig through all of it. I wish I had fun audio stuff to offer for it, but we ended up sending just boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff that we didn't have time to go through that my ma had saved from um, from my PDS days, from uh, my, my youth in general, from her youth, um, journals that she kept when she was in her teens. So those would be from I guess the 60s? Your mom grew oh, up in Texas, wild. right? Yep, grew up in Texas. Is that the same with your father, or where 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 was your father based? My dad grew up all over. His uh, m- mostly in New York, but his dad um, was a among among many other things was a, a salesman for Sears Roebuck. Um, oh. So they bounced around a bunch. Um, he always talks about this one summer they spent in Panama, and he'll swear up and down that you could just reach up and pick a mango off the vine. I kind of think he might be exaggerating a bit, but that's. <laughs> Let us, uh, let us so, hope so he that claims. a place like that actually exists. Right, I can confirm that it does. Oh, okay, okay. Have you been to Panama? I've, I've been, I've been in Panama. That's funny. You can, you can just reach up and at the right time of year, you can just be like, Boop. well, How Rachel's a very short person as am I, so there may be easier time for someone like you, Will, okay. to pick. Okay, at some point in the year, you're just like, down. <laughs> okay, I will say that, like, on the fair trade multi-crop instead of monocrop organic plantation I was staying on in Costa Rica that bordered Panama across the river, we didn't have mangoes, but we had, like, bananas and rambutan and coffee and cocoa and all kinds of cool stuff so i can confirm yes you could reach up and grab fruit and that's goals honestly that is when i peaked so your dad is very lucky (laughs) that sounds amazing i thought he was just trying to make his childhood sound uh sound better than mine (laughs) absolutely everywhere like you drive down the highway and there's just coconuts wow it's magical before we came in, the music we were listening to, you were playing trumpet on that uh, song, of which uh, comes from an original musical entitled <laughs> Life on Earth. No, tell us, did you learn how to play trumpet after you had already got bit by the acting bug? I suppose so. I started trumpet in fifth grade, and I was acting... 
arguably since age three, but it was a uh, production of a uh, puppet show of James and the Giant, uh, uh, no, not James and the Giant Peach, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, the other giant, um, at uh, the local public library. And, the other uh, giant sphere that we broke into and they never got any proper police effect. I, I, I did get to play the giant. I was, I was the uh, surprise human actor in this puppet show. It was a blast, um, and you, you, can, you can fairly call it acting. I remember very uh, excitedly telling one of the mothers who had come to watch it, now don't tell anyone, but the way that they made me look big and scary is there's a pillow under my shirt. That's how they make me look fat. Damn. Don't tell anyone. Flaming. <laughs> What's that? It's, it, oh, it's, it is flaming. Uh, and uh, for the record, flaming in this case means... Flaming. 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 That's a flaming. We can like we can go all day doing flaming impressions. <laughs> that sounds really cool though. Wait, so the local library that was in Poughkeepsie. You were that was in Poughkeepsie. Yep. When you moved to Rhinebeck, uh, sometime when you were in uh, in your teen years, though. Yeah, Rhinebeck. I would have been twelve or so. So yeah. that was yeah, just uh, right right before teen years. Um, but yeah, I was doing um, stage stuff. For forever, I think I was five when uh, Victoria Silvestri, who was our um, dearly departed drama instructor at uh, Poughkeepsie Day, she uh, said to my mother, "You know, I think Noah might might be interested in doing some of this community theater stuff." Um, and she uh, got a part for me in Bells Are Ringing. What was your role? I was a role that didn't exist. So this is something that Victoria would do. So I was I was little Jimmy. Now uh, Ella, who's the the woman who works at um, Suzanne Serphone, who's your, your uh, uh, female protagonist, um, she, among other things, will she, she calls up different people and uh, will try and make their lives better. And uh, one of the people she calls up, I forget the parent's name, but she calls up little Jimmy and pretends to be Santa Claus and make sure that Jimmy eats his vegetables. Now, this scene does not exist in the show, but this woman would write in scenes such that she would make sure everybody had a little part. And little, little Jimmy exists, he's a, he's a mentioned character, but he doesn't have a scene. And so she wrote in this two or three line scene where Jimmy got to be on the phone and say, oh, oh okay, Santa, I'll make sure I eat my vegetables. And you know, to this day, I remember it. And I didn't realize that these didn't exist in the script until years later and just the warmth and love for the work that she did, that this uh, uh, Victoria, that, that, that she brought, yeah, to, brought I, to it. I just had so much uh, respect for her. Can either of you give a quick description of who oh, she was within oh, the institution. Oh, oh yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't have to uh, give a quick description. I have a clip actually ready that will <laughs> provide you with the exact kind of sound you need. Why am I not hearing all of these things? Why is Nick sitting there and Alice sitting there? What's going on? I mean, are are you guys understanding that we don't have any more time? You're all acting like this is some kind of picnic. I mean, you have got to sing it. If you're wrong, she'll fix it. But if you don't sing it, she can't fix it. Nick, get over here. Adam, get over here. You can hear a pin drop in that room. That Nick is and from, Adam, what are you doing? That was no, from... No, no, that Nick and Adam, get over here. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> Let's pull together here. Before uh, we go into thoughts, uh, just to uh, recap, that entire uh, rehearsal 
from that show can be heard on episode 70 of Lost and Rewound entitled Rehearsal. That was oh my show. god! That was for a show called Runaways uh, that Victoria <laughs> directed. And I was in seventh grade, and Noah was in sixth. And Rachel, yeah. you're first up the so, Okay, so Victoria is a teacher, right? When we listened to five seconds of this before the show, and I was like, this sounds really familiar, this sounds like my mom yelling at me, that makes total sense, because, like, my mom's a teacher, and, like, this, it's the same voice. This is my commanding voice. This is my kids, you're not living up to my standards voice. That's, I mean, she's a teacher in this shit, and she's clearly good at it, because, like you said, pin drop, right? Yep. Like, that room is hers, you know? Yep, I have a very different stern voice oh, yeah, that I, I use with kids that, oh. like, it's, it honestly, it scares them, because I don't yell. Thoughts about hearing HRH for the first time oh, in who knows how long. I, that that I am so moved to hear her voice again, and that's even 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 in one of her more rageful, commanding moments. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my heart is so warmed to hear her voice, and to anyone who hasn't heard her speak before and who is just hearing who's this woman being loud and commanding children around may not understand that, but she was such a big personality. And she was someone who, um, I, the, for, for whatever reason, the other thing that this makes me remember, Ilan, did you ever um, run into the holiday fun guy? No, who's that? No, all right. So this was, this, <laughs> I don't like this, it. Yeah, it was, right this, this, <laughs> this would have been for the lower schoolers, I think. In the after school program around pre-holiday, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, that, that whole chunk of time, she would dress up as the holiday fun guy. Now, as far as I know, this came out of her own pocket, the money for this. And it would just be like some little board game or some little something. It was never anything huge, but she would bring in a game or a toy every week for the week leading up to the break for the after-school program. And she would she would leave the room and then dress back up as herself and say, oh no, I, I have no idea who was here. And it was, it was obviously her. Uh, but, but it was just this wonderful way to bring everyone into this moment of fun and happiness and just big, bright, wonderful silliness that... Uh, that was something she created and was a, a wonderful space she created. Were there a lot of teachers at uh, Poughkeepsie Day who had this sort of effect? Because at least with my small school experience, there were a lot of teachers who taught me in multiple years and therefore it became a very personal relationship. They yeah. watch you grow, you watch them grow, and it becomes this very sort of like familial experience. Was that a norm at EDS? Absolutely it was. Um, there, I, I'm sure everyone had different connections to different teachers depending on the, the kid's personality and their, their interests. Um, I know Wayne Tapp, the art teacher, a lot of people were very close with. Um, I wasn't a painter or a sculptor myself, so I didn't know him as well. Jonathan Hylas, who um, is the science, who he, he was the science department. Um, oh, wow. Brilliant, brilliant man. I, I have many, many fond memories of him. He also and taught the acapella group. Um, he was a hell of a DM, too. My yes, he was a hell of a DM. My, my, he was. Yeah, the Bunnies and Burrows games that I took with him, I never saw a bunny live after one session. <laughs> very, right. very, very quickly. an actual bunny? Bunnies and Burrows was a Dungeons and Dragons like style tabletop game. Yeah, it was. Oh, incredible. so there were no actual rabbits. Thank involved. God. No actual rabbits were harmed. No. Okay, <laughs> so. that's what I needed to hear. But this oh, the rabbits. The rabbits so, are fine. The rabbits so you, are fine. So okay. you glommed on to, uh, you know, you certainly had your teachers that you uh, got, you know, close with, and that you uh, 
you know, certainly revered as the years went on. Did it take you a long time to come back or were you always really close and, you know, trying to, you know, stay in touch with uh, teachers after you left the school? I am not great at keeping in touch with people, and that is one of my deep shames in life. Um, but when I do have the opportunity to, I'd like to say I just dive into it. I had recently a, a, a book series that I've done voices for. One of the characters is Russian, and the uh, author wrote me and said, hey, I know you took Russian, which is how you're able to do the accent. What would this phrase be? And I said, oh, I'm pretty sure you're right, but let me check. And I emailed Peter Vinogrado, who was one of the teachers. And he said, oh, I don't know, check with my mom. And I emailed, oh, oh sure. And I emailed his mom, who was Liz Vinogrado, who was the head of the high school. So there is still this community of uh, folks that we can connect to, sometimes with odd random questions, sometimes uh, just, just checking in. I have to ask, why did you pick Russian? <laughs> We had two choices. We had two choices. You picked Russian over French. And I'm not saying you picked wrong. You picked, I think, <laughs> arguably right, because who on earth was taking Russian other than like six of you? But why, did you, but why did you pick Russian? Well, Russian was not my first choice. Uh. My first choice was Latin. Ilan, did you do the language sampler that Peter did? Well, because I arrived in seventh grade, and by that point, I couldn't like just like go into it because I that think that that was a thing that happened in sixth grade. So I yeah, passed that. Talk about privileges of a small school. We, I, I, I guess it was my grade then. We did a language sampler course that Peter Vinogradov, um taught who went on to be one of the Russian teachers, but he gave us a little, here's a little French, here's a little Spanish, here's a little Russian, here's a little Latin, here's a little this, here's a little that. And then, okay, what do you want to take? We're going to do French because that's the, that had been, been a part of the school for a while, um, but they were looking at expanding to another language, so what do you want? And it ended up, it ended up being Russian, which was, which was my second choice. I thought it was interesting. It was more broadening than a language that had the same alphabet I was used to. I was interested in what, what'll the Cyrillic alphabet be? There's all these different uh, sounds um, that, that I can explore. Uh, yeah, it was more engaging to me than uh, French or Spanish at the time. When did you decide full on you were gonna pursue voiceover work? Full on pursuing voiceover, really I guess started a little over a year ago when I was unceremoniously let go from my um, facilities management job, oh. which, um, you know, sometimes you got to get canned to have the um, next best exciting thing happen. Um, I've done voiceover in various facets for a while. When I was in college, I took all of one semester of a voiceover course. I was very fortunate to get a manager right out of college who sent me on a voiceover audition, which I landed and kind of kept going from there. And that was all other people doing the engineering. And then from there, I got interested in the engineering part of it and uh, fell into audiobooks when I discovered that ACX exists, which is the back end of Audible. T tell us a little bit about Powder Burns. Powder Burns was a, uh, and, it, and it still exists, powderburnswest.com, or look at us on um, iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It's a seven-episode um, miniseries western about a blind sheriff, a Confederate, just coming back from the war, in uh, Little Falls, Texas. The initial the initial idea was we want to constantly be in this guy's head, between this guy's ears. The main arc for the first seven um, 
well, the, the, the only seven, we, we, we hope to come back to it someday, but the, uh, these, these seven episodes is the sheriff finishing out his term leading up to the election for the next term. And it goes from a fairly uh, not too much crazy stuff going on, just sort of regular life, to things really spiral out of control in the town and he's just trying to hold it together. My co-worker on this, our, our producer and the writer, uh, uh, David Gregory, who also voices the deputy, is possibly the nicest person in show business you will ever meet. He's from One Life to Live, from uh, of, of soap opera fame, brought around him this group of just wonderful, wonderful people. We worked with uh, Ed Asner, we worked with Robert Vaughn, um, we worked with uh, just some really wonderful artists in putting this piece together and my part in it i recorded it i put sound effects in and turned it into the old west if there's one thing i've noticed over the years that you've been able to combine your computer uh geekness with your love of acting and you sort of put the two together to work on the storytelling aspect uh would you consider yourself first and foremost a storyteller oh absolutely absolutely that's the most important part of any really of any art form, even if it is a non-moving art form, even if it's, uh, hey, here's a painting, you're still telling a story within that painting, what is happening? And that's um, some, something that I'll say to some of my students sometimes trying to sort of break out of, oh, how do I do a voice for this character that's on the page? Well, what does this character look like? You know, you're, th this is, uh, okay, we're, we're um, working on this book and one of the characters is a butterfly. Okay, well, maybe you don't know what a butterfly looks like, but let's say this is a person. What does this butterfly look like as a person? Well, you know, maybe a little rotund and grouchy and got, got kind of a squat face. Okay, so maybe if he's got kind of a squat face, then you can feel sort of more this uh, this sort of sound, and, and you, you, you can find the sound to a character with that, and telling the story of this person and building out those traits through looking at it in different ways. What was the most unexpected material that you used for a completely unrelated sound Ooh, okay um let's see the boots and spurs that you hear that's just my keys jingling the the spurs are my keys and uh, i got a old pair of boots somewhere that i just walked across the floor in and uh, recorded those. those boots noah <laughs> uh, i don't have them anymore i don't have those boots anymore um uh, that's that's how those those came to life uh oh let's see in a couple of episodes, there's one, the, the, the last episode I appear as a character, but there's a couple episodes where my voice shows up, but I'm just messing around to work it into a sound effect. The, the wife takes a sip of hot coffee or something, and that's me, and I got a cup of coffee and, and just bumped up the uh, pitch a little bit so I don't sound like a bass, uh, <laughs> and uh, get, get that in there. Um, they're fun. They're all fun. So we're playing with voices, something that you did from early childhood. Like Elon had a radio show in sort of lower school. And of course it wasn't a radio show. It was a, it was a tape recorder and we just record bullshit into it. But like, did you have a similar experience growing up? Like was screwing with sound or fucking with sound something that just appealed to you early on? Was that, was that a natural progression from the things that you were interested in as a musical theater kid? I kind of wish it was, and it's not. I, yeah. I, f I fell into it later. Yeah. Um, I'm laughing because I have a clip of you talking on the Danziger Zone. Oh. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, it's really short though. Embarrass me, embarrass me. What do we got? <laughs> Are you ready? 
<laughs> Probably not. But go for Do it. it. Do I want to see this? No. All right. That's it. Nice. It's all I was able to get from you. Proof. <laughs> really? Did I just say no? <laughs> you said no. Unimpeachable proof of you saying, will you be on my show? No. <laughs> Clearly, I changed a... my mind. I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was perfect. Uh, um, oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, wait. we have a lot to get to. Yes. Um, we're when we come back, we'll actually get a little bit of an intro before we um, dive into all this original musical material. Because Will and Rachel were not here the last time uh, we spoke about original musical stuff, so they have a lot to catch up on. You were in for a treat. And you are in for a treat, Noah, because, oh man, listener, it's all coming together on this hour of Lost and Rewound. This is Radio Free. COVID-19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now, and Radio Free Brooklyn is no exception. We want you to know that we have made every effort to ensure the health and well-being of our hosts, staff, and the community at large. We've closed both our studios and canceled live events, but our hosts are still doing their best to continue bringing new original programming by broadcasting live and pre-recording from their home studios or by selecting the best rebroadcasts of their past shows. With most of our revenue streams evaporated, we need your help. We realize you may be hurting too, but if you can afford a small donation, it would go a long way toward helping us stay on the air. There are three ways you can help. First, you can give a one-time or monthly donation by going to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. There you'll find some great t-shirts, mugs, and other swag that we'd like to send you to say thanks. You could also use your phone to text RFBGIVE5, that's the number 5, to 44321. It only takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Finally, if you shop on Amazon, you can go to Amazon.com smile and register Radio Free Brooklyn as the nonprofit you wish to support. When you do, a percentage of your sales will go to RFB, and it will cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish all our listeners health and happiness as we weather this storm together. Welcome back. I am sounding like I don't have my act together voiceover wise, but luckily our guest does. That's Noah Tobias, who's hanging out with us this week. When we did have uh, Dinah Freed and Caitlin Chazen, as well as Dinah's father, Don, uh, who was our English teacher uh, and was the guy who oversaw the original musical, they said so many good things. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to actually play a clip of Dinah talking a little bit about what the experience was like creating and performing the original musical. Well, for me, I mean, it really started as watching because my father was sort of the brains behind all this. So I started watching these when I was probably three years old. And I think Caitlin probably watched them from a very young age also because our siblings were in them. So it's really started as a watching and listening experience for me. And then 
I think I was in my first show when I was in seventh grade and then wrote it in ninth grade, maybe. And I don't know, it was thinking back on it. I think it's maybe the best thing about high school ever. It was a collaborative and wonderful experience. The school was very small and very familial and just offbeat and collaborative and creative and, and totally strange. So we were just, you know, we were regular high school students, except experiencing something that maybe other people didn't get to experience because it was in this unusual environment. These plays were mirroring the ethos of the school in that there wasn't a very steep hierarchy there. And within the shows, there wasn't either. Yeah, some people had more songs or, or their parts were kind of more integral to the main plot. And the whole idea behind writing these shows was that everybody could have a line or a little storyline that they got to do. And, and definitely people sang, I, mean, I would say both of us included, who were not typically good singers. And, and you know, it wasn't oh, like yes. the typical musical when there are two or four or six leads and then everyone else is, is really um, without a, a name or a, an important role. So, so in that way, it represented the school, which was all about sort of everyone getting a chance no one no one being well I mean there wasn't no hierarchy because that always forms but but certainly it was a very inclusive environment and I think that the plays were reflected of that Noah you weren't really a part of the writing experience but you did perform in how many of the shows that existed there I was just trying to remember that um you, did you do senior your senior year as well yes I think I did let's see I did life on earth guest appearances Oh my God, was that it? Did I only do two? No. You offered your talents as a performer for my senior year and your junior year for a show called, you said, Guest Appearances. What was your experience with that particular musical? Guest Appearances. Okay, that was very interesting for me in a couple ways. In one, I was on stage for a good chunk of the first act and didn't say a darn thing. I was just sitting there watching the uh, the action. The plot of it was well, one of the plots as um, many a plot, as, many a plot as as was alluded to in uh, the the last discussion of these. Everyone had a part. Everyone had something that was going on. So there were um, five or six different subplots. There was the the one overarching plot where we've got the. Um, Microsoft Bill Gates-esque guy who's uh, coming to this chalet in the Adirondacks and the uh, Steve Jobs-esque guy who's uh, come in and he and his group of terrorists are taking over and uh, wreak havoc and make the Bill Gates yeah. guy not uh, not be mean anymore. Um, so was this, so was this, so this was a very pro-Apple school, in other words. Um, <laughs> but uh, basically, like, you're doing what are really, really fun musicals, but you're doing this sort of, like, classic middle school or lower school thing where it's like, if it's a Christmas setting, you've got the first, second, and third lobster who have their own little side story. And, you know, Jesus's crew who've got yeah. their side story. And the little birdies who are now anthropomorphized with a couple shoes and they're all one story, right? Was it that type of hodgepodge? I wasn't part of the writing team, but since since the school wrote the the musicals, they knew more or less who was going to play what part and gotcha. people were able to write around their own strengths. So yes, we did have the cluster of lobsters over here. We did have the cluster of birds with shoes. Um, but rather than that being, oh, this is dull and there's lobsters over there, it's these are the folks who are really good at doing a vaudeville type pattern. So they get a vaudeville number. Hey, gotcha. the uh, folks who are doing the birds, they've got this great stand-up routine that they did at a 
talent show one year that we've never been able to work into anything. Let's have the birds be stand up and work that in. Wow. Did anybody have a sense of that sort of, I don't want to use the word favoritism, but like, does any, did anybody have a sense of how egalitarian the school was trying to be (laughs) or was it, or was it more just a sort of background and everybody, and, and it had its, intended purpose, right? Well, Which like, was just like everybody felt equal. I think the biggest takeaway I got was that seniority definitely played out. And I think yes. that was across the board, no matter what you were going to do. I mean, obviously the seniors would all get significant parts, the freshmen, maybe not so much, but the involvement on an equal level, both music, all music and lyrics and set design and tech and everything, everybody was uh, on an equal level playing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't have put it better. Exactly. Exactly. We were chatting before, Noah, about you coming on the show. And when I had brought up guest appearances, your quote was, there was a throwaway line about how robots could be programmed to enjoy tasks that humans find tedious and everyone would be happier that way. Is there something that hasn't been invented yet all these years later that they really should get the fuck on right now? Uh, (laughs) I mean... um... Uh, maybe maybe developing vaccines quicker. I don't know. Yeah, let's 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 get uh, let's get vaccine bot up and running. I love a good vaccine. Yeah, everybody loves a good vaccine. That was the tail end, and and sort of the um, Elon. What your character came to? I think. Do, do yeah. we do we know? Yeah. Have, have, so, have we talked about who you and I were? <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is really funny, y'all. Um, as much as much context as possible for. Uh huh. No, my character's <laughs> name. My character's name was Walt Whitman, but Walt what? Whitman. But Walt Whitman, my Walt Whitman character, was actually a robot. I was a robot. However, it was I was supposed to be the robot counterpart to Noah's actual real life Walt Whitman. And so, or excuse me, uh, Wally Whitman? I'm forgetting. Wal- Waldo. Which one are you? Waldo, Waldo, real Waldo Whitman. Waldo, right. Sorry, Walt Whitman, RIP. No, I don't know. I just say that you played the real version of me in this story and you that's why you were on the side of the stage for pretty much the entirety of Act One because you were uh, disguising yourself as a Native American yeah, on the tribal lands really, of the Adirondacks. Like, really unfortunate what? decision there. But that's, um, we'll gloss over that. Um, let's, let's, all right, no, you know what? I think we need to hear a song. It's a song. Yeah, no, 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 guys, let's, would, we, we've set this up. We've teed this up. We, we got it up in regard to this. Uh, let's play the first song. It's called The Mission. What's freedom mean? Let us see 
Happy comfort face. I'm looking at you bright red with like nostalgia and joy. And I'm looking at Rachel's like, I, what, uh, mm, mm, face. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. legally music. Rachel, Rachel, <laughs> Rachel, what goes through your head other than uh, freedom ringing? What year is this from? 2001. It's very time appropriate. Like everything, everything about it, like being enslaved to the machine, like like back when everybody <laughs> thought that we would all be robots by now. Um, I mean, yeah, there's automation now, but I, you know, it's a good thing. Yeah, robots freedom, uh, very ahead of itself. I'm almost hearing like a judge of killing in the name of <laughs> like like there is a there is clear like even though it is it is clearly like the, it's like the Woodstock version of Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Anti-machine. Yep. Anti-corporation play written for middle schoolers in Woodstock, New <laughs> York. High schoolers. Where, high schoolers. High schoolers. I'm sorry. High schoolers. In the high schoolers, which is an hour away. Where they're okay. no, where where the Woodstock concert right of Woodstock fame What's took place. <laughs> heard of it. And we're talking and we're talking about how like this light-hearted thing, which is attempting to be like you know the only oh. version that I heard in New York was you know like rage right like killing in the name of brown and you're like killing in the name of freedom. I mean, look at Susical, right? That is an obviously pro-life musical meant to be performed by children, <laughs> by hippie children. <laughs> oh, Susical. <laughs> it's an anti-abortion musical that yeah. also discourages multiracial partnerships. <laughs> does it actually? Does it actually do? You never put that together. <laughs> okay, all right. A person is a person no matter, no matter how small. And then an elephant and a bird have a baby and everybody's like, kill the elephant. That happens in Susical? Yes. Damn. Holy Damn. shit. They sent poor Jojo to military school because he's an artist. I'm just saying. Well, I'm glad that I never have to see Susical because I had absolutely no idea what the plot was, but I'm grateful. He was in it. 
Y'all have me absolutely on fire today. I'm full of rants. The look on Will's face is one of abject horror right now. <laughs> I mean, no. okay. This is like when I realized that one of my favorite rock bands was actually nothing but a like extreme right wing Christian rock band and was like, Bullshit. all of a sudden, every bit of this means nothing to me. First of all, I want to just show our rewound table the uh, jewel cover. Hey. Nice font, bro. Yeah. I don't know okay. who's responsible for that. It's very woodsy. I don't know who wrote the mission. I must appreciate whoever did. Home is in the heart is this next track. I don't know who wrote this one either, but it is gorgeous. This morning I saw a little bird wake up from its rest. Its mommy gave a little push. And it flew out of the nest How could a mother be so mean? A tree can be so tall She should keep her in the nest So the little bird won't fall The world is such a dangerous place For a little bird to roam But she knows where her mommy is And she knows the way back home heart it doesn't matter if you're apart just be grateful you have each other mom and dad sis and brother home is in the heart it doesn't matter if you're apart just be grateful you have each other mom and dad sis and brother kids are growing up too fast Living in a haze The job takes me away so much I miss their younger days Can't wait till I hit 16 I'll be on my own Get my license and a beamer If dad co-signs the loan I can't make up the time we lost If only I had known Bullshit was that. <laughs> also sponsored by Nokia and uh, and uh, what yeah. was the other one? BMW. Yeah. 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 No, Wait, did they say Beamer or Mercedes? Beamer. I think Beamer. they said Beamer. Yeah. Nice, nice. I love it. Wow. If they, if they co-sign the loan, like what? What, what, what? is this? Berenstain Bears? Guys, it's so good. Like. I love the, the fact that his lyrics made it and it's sincere and it's like collaborative, but man, like- No, it's, it's sweet. It's, it's, it's this is what this show I could not for. think of a more perfect song to be hearing when we're all sheltering in place, hearing 
Home is in the heart. It doesn't matter where you start. Just be grateful that you literally have all of your toilet paper. You know what? That that appreciating the little things. I totally love that, Elon. I totally love that. And I have a totally off-air sub note for that, but I'm not going to say it here. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that, that's, yeah. But yeah. But so, honestly, okay, that was, which yeah. of those two male voices in there was yours? I was the top. I was the- Gotcha. Uh, yeah, you were the high note. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. that was you. Yeah. What, That's what hilarious. The first track we did here was Noah at the very beginning and throughout, and then in that track, he was doing the chorus. And I actually distinctly recall for uh, the mission doing the multiple recording sessions on the harmonies. Uh, it was like really a fun experience because yeah. you knew how to sing and I was just like, trying to like catch up laps you know like i don't know the whole bit of this was having fun with it and was uh, getting to getting to experience this collaborative artistic process which i guess yes every now and then did fall into heteronormative beamers and uh, nokia cell phones there is in fact one last song to listen to it's called communication When I look into the mirror, this is what I see A painted mask that frowns and smiles but really isn't me Disguise has been how I've survived and guile has been my game Outplayed the competition but I'm lonely in my fame Since being here though we have learned to open up, cooperate We'll work together and who knows what brave new worlds we can create. If we trust our inmost yearning, if we're honest when we speak, if we validate our feelings, we'll discover what we see. If we understand each other, if we listen and we care, if we celebrate our neighbors, we'll find joy in what we share. Thank you. 
listen to each other. When you've got bad feelings, you should just be friends. Like, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely got. It, how like how many different ways can you uh, close a musical with some sort of wrap up? Hey, hey, you know what? Bob's Burgers did it perfectly when they jammed together "Working Girl" and "Die Hard." Right? Yes. We're gonna work hard or die trying. <laughs> it's been a real joy to watch you guys truly geek out over what is clearly such a joyous shared experience between the two of you, right? Like this school very had a, clearly had a huge influence on you. You guys very clearly both speak the same language linguistically and musically because for a lot of these conversations, you just rolled, you know what I mean? You were just in it, you know? And, and that's actually, that's such a rarity and it's so nice to see. I think it speaks really well of Poughkeepsie Day and of the community that they created. An incredible amount of endearing uh, qualities that have aged remarkably well. Especially in these cynical times, there is... Uh, almost a bravery to that, I think, that I, I, I don't know if it was quite the same at the time, but that certainly rings true to me now of, oh, that's a powerful sentiment as, uh, y yes, this is very much a high school musical, but oh, cool, that's the sentiment that we put forward with such skill as we had at the time, and uh, huh, neat. It's uh, heartwarming. That's, a, that's joyous. It. Yeah, that's that's a joyous, joyous thing. I never thought I'd hear this stuff again. This is yeah. stuff that it, it didn't occur to me. Well, I mean, I, I I do have the uh, the albums floating around somewhere, but it it never occurred to me that this would come back up. So I'm really glad that I'm getting to hear it. And uh, thank you to all of you. Thank you to Alan for getting to experience all this again. Hey, if you ever want to learn voiceover, Rachel, this guy, this guy, hey, I got you covered. No joy. I'm, I'm hitting this guy up myself. Joyofvoiceover.com is Noah's personal website. Noah, I love you, man. Thank you so much. Love you, Alan. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Will. Thank you for uh, having me on. Thank you for being Anytime, here. Anytime, man. Thanks for being a guest. Life on Earth's not so perfect. They don't like hate and frustration. Maybe we can. And with that, we will be done for this week. But before we finish up, perhaps you're local to Bushwick and you are planning your next lunch or dinner. If that is the case, do I have something to tell you? Dashi, a new American restaurant and cafe specializing in Japanese and Asian comfort foods, has just opened at 119 Ingram Street, only a few blocks from the Morgan L stop. They've got great dishes. Noodles, rice dishes, small plates, and salad. And for all you meat eaters, if you want a hamburger or BLT, they've got that too. They're open every day, most days from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. And you can order online from Grubhub, Postmates, or DoorDash. Check them out at dashibrooklyn.com. That's D-A-S-H-I brooklyn.com. Or stop by Dashi in person and welcome them to the hood. Tell them RFB sent you. Our thanks to Noah and to all the voices, lyricists, and musicians we heard gracing this hour's truly rewarding content. And most importantly, thank you, Poughkeepsie Day School. This has been episode 211 of Lost and Rewound. Check out our previous episodes up on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and our main headquarters with episodes available to stream is radiofreebrooklyn.org slash L-A-R. 
until a week from now, when it shall be 3 p.m. on Thursday afternoon once again, I bid you a fond farewell. My name is Alon. I'll catch you here next week, all right? Thank you for coming by to get embarrassed with us. Stay safe, stay sane, and hey, belated happy Earth Day while we're at it, all right? Peace. Thank you. I don't know what that just was, but that was some very, very fucked up shit.